0: Hello, campus cronies. Welcome back to Campus Crime Chronicles. I'm your host, Nicole Turner, full-time college administrator, part-time college professor, but always a true crime addict. In every episode of this podcast, I take a deep dive into some sort of true crime that occurred on a school campus or a crime that's associated with a college or university in some way. For each episode, I rate the seriousness of the crime from one to five on my serious crime scale, with one being completely not serious, possibly even a little humorous from time to time, to five being very serious. This episode is rated a five. Y'all, I'm going to be honest and tell you that this particular episode, this particular story of the four students from the University of Idaho who were brutally murdered in their off-campus residence on November 13th, was originally going to be a TikTok video instead of a full-fledged episode. At least, for now, that's what it was supposed to be. But every time I would sit down and think I was going to record it, you know, on my phone... New information continued to be released almost daily, and I soon decided that this story is so much more than a quick TikTok, and I needed to make an actual episode so I could bring y'all all all of the information we know as of now. So that's what this is. I'm jumping into your feed today, on a day that you probably weren't expecting a new Campus Crime episode to drop— to bring you an overview of exactly what we know about these tragic murders and exactly what police are and are not saying. So without further ado, let's get started. The community of Moscow, Idaho, a town of about 25,000 people, has now been mourning the deaths of four University of Idaho students for over three weeks, with very little answers to ease their minds. On November 13, 2022, the students were found stabbed to death in an off-campus residence. According to CBS News, on Sunday, November 13, police responded to a report of an unconscious person at around 11.58 a.m., when police arrived, they discovered four students had been brutally murdered, each one stabbed multiple times on the second and third floors of the home. Those students were 21-year-olds Madison Mogan and Kaylee Gonzalez, and 20-year-olds Zanna Carnodal and Zanna's boyfriend, Ethan Chapin. While the three young ladies, Madison, Kaylee, and Zanna, actually lived in the residence, Ethan Chapin did not live there, but he was staying with his girlfriend in the home on the night of the murders. Police said Ethan and Zanna had been at a Sigma Chi fraternity party on the night of Saturday, November 12th, and they returned to the home at about 1.45 a.m. the next day on November 13th. The other two victims, Madison and Kaylee, had been at the Corner Club Bar in downtown Moscow on Saturday night. The two young ladies stopped at a mobile food truck called the Grub Truck after going out, which, if you've been following the story at all, you might have seen a surveillance video or still images of a video circling around that shows the two of them at the food truck. After getting food, they too returned to the home around 1.45 a.m. on November 13th. So, we know for sure that all four victims were back at the home by 2 a.m. that morning. As far as the timeline goes, we know that the murders had to have occurred after 3 a.m. on Sunday, November 13th, because police discovered that Kaylee had called either her boyfriend or ex-boyfriend. Reports aren't clear on exactly who he is. But anyway, she had called him multiple times after she returned home from the bar between that 1.45 and 3 a.m. time frame. A total of at least five people lived in the home, but two other roommates, who have still not been named, apparently slept through the attack and were unharmed. Those two roommates, two females, had also been out the night before separately, but they had both returned to the home by 1 a.m. on Sunday morning, November 13th. Police have specifically said, though, that they do not believe the surviving roommates were involved in the killings. And police have confirmed that the initial 911 call came from one of the surviving roommates' phone, but they have not confirmed the caller's identity. However, I do want to point out that CNN reported there was no evidence of forced entry at the home at all. One of the biggest things about this case, though, is that police have yet to identify a suspect, which means the Moscow community and University of Idaho students are not only on high alert, but they are terrified because the killer is still out there. Another huge factor in this case is that the murder weapon, which police described as a large fixed blade knife, has not been found either, and it hasn't helped that since the crime occurred, the police have been releasing conflicting, or at the very least, confusing information that has left many with more questions than answers. So I'm going to walk you through the timeline of the information as it has been released to the public, and you'll see just how confusing and conflicting it really is. But I do want you to keep in mind that regardless of how confusing it might seem to us right now, I feel like police are truly working around the clock to figure out exactly what happened. And as they are doing that, they are still constantly trying to sift through all of the information they have collected and are still collecting. And then they have to work the case and keep key pieces of information confidential so they can solve it. And they have to do all of that while deciding on what details they can and can't share with the public. So, (laughs) I say all that to actually say that right now, I can't even begin to fathom how much pressure they are under. I mean, this was the first homicide in Moscow in years. As in, there has not been one single murder in the town since 2015. So, I say... For now, we give them a little grace while they're working this case. Anyway, with that in mind, let's go through the timeline. On November 15th, the Moscow Police Department said in a news release that they believed it was a targeted attack and that they did not believe there was any threat to the public. And y'all, I remember hearing that on the day that that was reported on the news as all the outlets were consistently providing updates. And I remember thinking, how can they be so sure about that? How can they honestly say that there was no threat? Like in my mind, it immediately went to what in the world do they know that they aren't sharing with us? But, Lo and behold, the next day on November 16th, Moscow Police Chief James Fry addressed the media and turned around and said the complete opposite. He told reporters that while they still believed it was a targeted attack, they could not assume the community was safe. For I said, quote, we cannot say there's no threat to the community, and as we have stated, please stay vigilant, report any suspicious activity, and be aware of your surroundings at all times, end quote. However, the community was confused because he had little to no explanation to back up that claim. So that's where we were as of November 16th. Then, Four days later, police released more information at a press conference where they said there were other friends at the home when the 911 call was initially made. But they also said they weren't sure exactly how many people were in the home at the time of the call because apparently multiple people talked to the 911 operator. None of the friends who were at the home were publicly identified, but police later clarified that the two surviving roommates asked some friends to come over because they initially thought one of the victims had just passed out and wasn't waking up. Apparently, the roommates didn't immediately realize the victim had been stabbed and murdered, which is a little odd to me, but I wasn't there and obviously I wouldn't know. Police are saying, though, that they do not believe any of the people who were in the home at the time of the 911 call were involved in the murders. According to CBS News, investigators questioned a man in a white hoodie who was seen in that surveillance video of Kaylee Gonsalves and Madison Mogan at the food truck. They also questioned the person who drove the two roommates home. But police have cleared both of those people and do not believe either one was involved in the murders. Now, your mind might be going to Kaylee's boyfriend or ex-boyfriend or whoever he was, but the male who Kaylee had made all those early morning phone calls to before she was murdered, well, police checked him out and have cleared him as a suspect as well. There have also been reports that Kaylee might have had a stalker, but on November 22nd, police released additional information about this possible lead. In an official press release from the Moscow Police Department, police are saying, quote, investigators have looked extensively into information about Kaylee having a stalker. They have pursued hundreds of pieces of information related to this topic, but have not verified or identified a stalker. Anyone with information about a potential stalker or unusual instances is asked to contact the tip line, end quote. And at the end of the episode, I will definitely provide that tip line to y'all. And it's also listed in the show notes as well. On November 30th, police released additional information. Remember how they had most recently said they believed it was a targeted attack? Well, on November 30th, according to CBS News, they kind of walked back that statement as they addressed a different statement that had been made by the Lataw County prosecuting attorney. Apparently, the attorney had made comments and said the suspect or suspects involved specifically looked at the victim's residence and that one or more of the occupants were quote-unquote, undoubtedly targeted. Police made it clear on November 30th that they, quote, have not concluded if the target was the residence or if it was the occupants, end quote. Now, I'm not really sure what they mean by that, Like, why would the person simply target the residents? I don't really understand that. But again, I'm not an investigator, so I don't know. Regardless, they do remain consistent in their belief that this was a targeted attack of some sort. The next big piece of information about this case came the next day on December 1st, when investigators announced that they had learned of a sixth person who was listed on the lease of the home, meaning there could be a potential sixth roommate. But, according to that news release from the Moscow Police Department, quote, they have spoken to this individual and have confirmed they moved out prior to the start of the school year and was not present at the time of the incident. Detectives do not believe this person has any involvement in the murders, end quote. The most recent information came in an additional press release from the Moscow PD dated Friday, December 2nd. According to that press release, quote, At this time, no suspect has been identified and only vetted information that does not hinder the investigation will be released to the public. There is speculation without factual backing stoking community fears and spreading false facts. We encourage referencing official releases for accurate information and updated progress, end quote. As of today, police have collected 113 pieces of physical evidence and have taken the evidence to the Idaho State Police Crime Lab for processing. In addition, they have taken about 4,000 crime scene photos and developed multiple 3D scans of the home. On November 30th, police towed five different vehicles from in front of the home so they could, quote, secure a long-term storage location to continue processing evidence, end quote. They have also seized the contents of three dumpsters around the residence on King Road to process for any type of possible evidence. Police are now saying that as the Forensics Crime Lab results come in, they will be provided to the public, but to protect the investigation's integrity, specific results will not be released. For now, investigators will continue to sort through the tips and evidence that continue to pour in each day. There are three different law enforcement agencies working around the clock on the case, including the Moscow PD, the FBI, and the Idaho State Police. And the governor of Idaho, Brad Little, has directed an upward of $1 million in state emergency funds for ongoing investigation support. Regardless, though, while law enforcement is working nonstop to solve the case, that doesn't mean that the public University of Idaho community and the victim's families are resting any easier. This is literally their worst nightmare come true, and they are understandably frustrated and on edge that the suspect or suspects are still out there and they have little to no answers. Olivia Gonsalves, the sister of victim Kaylee Gonsalves, told News Nation that police have not given the families any more information than they've really given the public. Olivia said, quote, Law enforcement is kind of throwing around this word targeted, but we don't know what that means. And it almost makes it feel alienating because we don't have any more information on that. I don't know who that target was. If it was one of them, if it was all of them, I just don't know. End quote. In a similar sentiment, Jim Chapin, the father of victim Ethan Chapin, said, quote, There is a lack of information from the University of Idaho and the local police, which only fuels false rumors and innuendo in the press and social media. The silence further compounds our family's agony after our son's murder. For Ethan and his three dear friends slain in Moscow, Idaho, and all of our families, I urge officials to speak the truth, share what they know, find the assailant, and protect the greater community." But I will say that the University of Idaho seems to be doing everything it possibly can in the midst of a truly tragic situation to support its students. The university has consistently released information specifically about ongoing student safety and support services offered on campus, and they even provided students with the option of completing classes online for the remainder of the fall 2022 semester. There have also been memorials and vigils held on campus to provide an outlet for students to express their grief and mourning. In the meantime, law enforcement has used various tips and surveillance footage to rule out potential suspects, but they are still seeking additional tips and surveillance camera footage of any unusual behavior that might have been observed during the night of November 12th and into the early morning hours of November 13th. Information can be submitted to the tip line at 208 883 7180. Again, that number is 208 883 7180. Okay, y'all, that officially brings us to the end of this bonus chronicle about the four University of Idaho student murders. As always, be sure to check out my social media where I always post photos associated with each case and episode. You can find me at Campus Crime Podcast on Instagram and Campus Crime Chronicles on Facebook. Okay, well, that's all for today, so bye for now. Campus Crime Chronicles is researched, written, and recorded by me, Nicole Turner, and it's edited and produced by Giari e. Gassaway. Tune in again next week for the next Chronicle.